Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air Yeah And there's screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Come on Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who on this town tonight Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio this is our last show at 9 a.m. before we move to 10 a.m. because the Pacific Coast goes back an hour, which I'm pretty happy about. So it's 9 a.m. Pacific. 9 a.m. Pacific, yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex Clancy, Deborah DeBree, Cindy Liska, and the man himself, Kwame Lasseter. The infamous Kwame Lasseter. Just Tra- walked in traffic the building. Traffic will be better. <laughs> traffic is a lot better. Traffic's yeah. a lot yeah. Traffic, will be, yeah. traffic yeah. will be a lot better. So, Kwame, how was Vegas? Vegas was good. It was a good experience. Um, I had a good time with the guys. Uh, the only bad part of it is... The pay. The pay was the lack of pay. Yeah. So we um you know we have guaranteed contracts. It'd be interesting to see if the players get paid tomorrow because their contracts are guaranteed through the thirty first, actually that's tomorrow. And ours the co- coaches are guaranteed through the first of the thirty first of December. Cool. So how what was it like being on the other side? On the coaching side, besides the hours, I'm sure those were game, grueling. Game day was pretty much the same. You get that same excitement because you practice all week. And the thing about my practice was, you know, I wake up at 6 or something. I'd be in the office by 7, and I don't get back to my place till 12.30 in the morning. Coaching, I took for granted as a player that I can leave after meetings or after practice was over outside of watching extra film. Mm-hmm. Players would leave. Now, coaches are there every day, all day. Yeah. Except probably a day before the game, we got a half a day off, something like that. That must have been nice. Wow. And I'm sure you were, you were there during fairly nice weather as well. It wasn't it wasn't smoking hot out there. The weather was perfect, except when we we practiced at uh, UNLV sometimes. Um, well, both all the time, just where in UNLV, the stadium or their practice field, and on that turf is blazing hot. Oh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had to stop. We had to take the pass off and let these guys practice in just helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, baseball World Series, NFL, beginning of the NBA season starts tonight. Uh, Cindy, you must hate that the baseball's over. And the basketball starting. Well, it's you know. a good combination, right? Well, you, work, you work in baseball, right? I do work in baseball. I'm working okay. right now. It um well, it's my time now. It, it's my basketball time now. It doesn't don't the Lakers play the Mavericks tonight? They sure do. Is that that's not the is that the yeah, First game of the season? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, Boston and uh, Miami and the Lakers and Dallas. There's no offseason. There's no offseason. We just talked about basketball a month ago. We did. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I think a lot of the stuff during the summer had to do with all the moves, like the Lakers getting Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and all the trades and everything. So uh, we will start with baseball. San Francisco sweeps Detroit 4-0 in the World Series to win their second in three years. Nobody really saw this coming going into the playoffs, especially when San Francisco was down 2-0 going to Cincinnati for three games in the NLDS. Uh, you know, they, they um, 
you know when teams are just destined to win, just like they were the first time, it was obvious that they were the destined team this year. Marco Scudero had a great playoffs. Mm-hmm. Pablo Sandoval, the Kung Fu Panda, won the World Series MVP, tore it up. You know, I, you hit three home runs in the first game at home. Like That kind of sets the stage for the rest of the series, seemingly. One thing I do want to ask, you know, everybody's seen the numbers. They've only, uh, Detroit only scored six runs uh, in the all, all the World Series. They have the thirst, third worst batting average uh, as a team in Major League Baseball history. My question to all three of you is, is it the correct strategy to put your number one starter on the road in game one as opposed to saving him, maybe putting your number two starter at game one and then saving him for game three and then potentially a game seven when you need him going going back to San Francisco? Well, I think if you got more than one pitcher, you know, m- remember when the uh, Diamondbacks won the World Series, they had two pitchers, two dominant pitchers. But what Detroit did was put Verlander out there first on the road, which uh, it's hard to say not to put my best guy and get ready to set the tone for the mm-hmm. how does, I want the series to go. It's hard to say not to put him out there. Uh, but your best players have to be able to travel wherever you play. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to travel on the road. So I, if I'm the Detroit uh, Tigers, I'm putting my starting pitcher out there and those guys so he can set the tone and those guys have to step up this, this pitcher next. Uh, which will be on the road again before they can come back home and play. But I, obviously, I guess he did set the tone because, you know, they smacked him up in yeah. the first game. Set the wrong tone. Yeah, and those guys came <laughs> out and did the same thing to the other, the rest of the pitchers. Cindy? You never expect Verlander to give up hits like that, three home runs like that, to one guy. Um, and you want to pull a win off. Yeah, you definitely want to win one when you're starting on the road so that you can come home with at least one in your pocket. So poss- potentially you can win out when you get home use, and use that home field advantage to win as opposed to win- using it to save yourself. I think you've also got to look at the personality of the, picture, the pitchers as to, you know, do they have a favorite? Is Do they, um, you know, pitch better under certain circumstances? And then, you know, look at that as well and decide where do you put them to get the best advantage for your team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, San Francisco definitely has a deeper pitching staff Especially in the bullpen. Well, and when Tim Lincecum went to the bullpen, that was the most genius move Bruce Bochy made right. in the whole playoffs because <laughs> he had a he had a phenomenal playoff series, a phenomenal World Series uh, coming in in middle relief. So you know that that really was a positive for San Francisco. Matt Cain, San Francisco's number one starter, didn't start until Game Four. So you have Barry Zito, who might be their number three starter, if not four. He wasn't even on the World Series roster when they won two years ago. So you put him out. He pitches a gem, and then. Now that, again, sends, sets a, a negative tone for the rest of the series for Detroit, especially because they couldn't hit to, to save their lives. But that's a good strategy that you have to look at. That, that's, that is something to think about if I'm a manager for a team and I, and I look at my pitching staff and I have maybe one and, one and a half, two aces. Uh, I'm a, I want to know, do I put this guy out? Most people are worried about the, the feedback or the backlash or what the media going to say if you do lose a game like that and Verlander is not on the mound. Why you didn't start him? Why didn't you try to set the tone? I think it goes both ways. It, it, it's a double-edged sword. So you got that many aces with, who was it, Zito or Zip. Kane yeah. that started the fourth game? Well, that strategy worked for them. Yeah, especially, especially because they were already up 3-0. Well, now, if, right. if you look in the dugouts, too, it seemed like the Giants were having so much fun. Um, granted, that was start. I think it started with, Sergio Romo's attitude, but they all seem to have that same attitude, and I don't know if that comes from Bochi and his laid-back way philosophy of management, but they just seemed like they were enjoying themselves, and they didn't have that pressure, and it looked like 
Detroit was playing under more pressure, and Giants were just out there having a good time. Well, yeah, they yeah. definitely they definitely came together as a team and had the resiliency. Plus, they started, it, it appeared like they were making their own breaks as well. I mean, they were just out there rocking. And mm-hmm. I do think that you know when you can have fun on game day, you know, not laughing it up and going crazy, but relaxed and enjoying it and going and playing at your absolute best, you know, that it's going to come out in the score. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been a win either way for San Francisco, obviously, because they won two years ago. They weren't supposed to be there that time. They weren't supposed to be there this time. Detroit is the new Yankees. When I mean, it's there is pressure. When you have that high payroll, when you have that star-studded lineup, you're supposed to perform. You're supposed to win. The Giants weren't supposed to win, so granted, having fun and yeah. also being up two games to none going back to Detroit after beating Verlander, right. which again begs the question, you put Verlander in Game 3, you start his first game, Game 3, that's almost a guaranteed win at home, in theory. So even if you go down 0-2, like you're technically supposed to, you're not supposed to win the home your away games, in theory. That's a guaranteed win to get you back to get you back on the winning track at home. So I don't understand why that wasn't the case. Why you don't start Fister in game one? Um, but you know, it, this is why I say uh, when you get in the playoffs. A lot of that stuff doesn't matter. Like, do you guys remember the what was it, the Florida Marlins or the Tampa Bay Rays? They had the worst budget, the lowest budget actually in the uh, MLB, and they won two World Series. Mm-hmm. Or when you or when you pay for them like the Yankees do, you expect that result. You expect to win. So once you get into playoffs, I always say it doesn't matter those rankings. Now you're playing against some guys who now have a different passion at that time because it's the playoffs. A lot a lot of teams that make it. We watched St. Louis Cardinals win last year, and they got in by. A playoff. They, a lot of things had to happen for them with the Braves losing ten games mm-hmm. with the final ten games left or yeah, eleven think, games left. I think one of your key words there was what was expected, and Alex, you referred to it as well. That expectations, the level of expectations, depending on the player and how they accept that expectation, can either spur them to a higher level of play or can get them really nervous and you know one mess up and they're they're down the tubes. Yeah, I mean, especially if you haven't been there before. I mean, right. Prince Fielder hadn't been there before. You know, and he's supposed he, he's their cleanup hitter. You know, right. he's supposed to be their bailout. And when you have Marco Scudero putting up all those hits, you have, you know, Pablo Sandoval. The pitching just, Barry Zito's been there before. You know, he's like the Andy Pettit of the West. He doesn't throw hot stuff, but he but he, he has good good ball placement. He, he can throw anything in the book. And uh, Lincecum, again, is was the X factor. I mean, they just didn't, holding that team to six runs in four games, was yeah. the pitching alone, obviously. That's amazing because what right. Detroit did, they swept through the playoffs and they had that much time off. I don't know if that hurt hurt them or helped. Obviously, it didn't help them any because they got swept pretty much in this uh, World Series game. But I thought Detroit did everything on the offseason last year to get the right players in there. Mm-hmm. Well, they're keeping yeah. uh, Leland uh, as a manager for next year. So yeah. uh, we'll see how they bounce back from this and yeah. see if they, it was a great learning experience with a lot of those guys coming to that ball club and getting this far in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And anyway, I think, Deb, this would be a good question for you. Waiting a week, don't would that just make your brain fester and, and start thinking and, and second-guessing and, and watching San Francisco you know, battle through and end up coming through on this high horse, going right to the World Series, not getting much time off? I think it was two or three days, and they're just sitting there uh, twiddling their thumbs, just waiting. Well, it depends on, again, it goes back to it depends on the person. If it's a guy that's sitting there twiddling his thumbs and thinking about what's possible and getting upset and nervous about it and 
the wondering, um, then you're going to you're going to come in and you're not going to be as energetic or play as well because you're burning up your energy with all that thinking and worrying and wondering. If you're a guy that's going to um, think about all the possibilities of what you have done to get you there and how great it's going to be when you win, and you're working towards you know the plays that you're going to make and doing your practicing, even your internal you know imagination and practicing in your head, you're going to walk out of that field thinking, believing, and knowing that you're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, well, uh, Go ahead, Sin. Well, I was just thinking, too, you think about them sitting there and waiting and twiddling their thumbs or whatever. Didn't the Giants, the Giants had like three days, didn't they have to sit around in Cincinnati waiting for to see where they were going to go? Well, yeah. Um, I, think I mean, and they couldn't even do it at home. At least the Tigers got to hang out at home and do it. They had to camp in Cincinnati and it didn't seem to hurt them yeah well it, like say it goes back to depending on how you use your time because if you think of that as a vacation then that's different than thinking about it as you're still it's still a job and you've got things to do during that period where you supposedly have time off to prepare yourself to do your job and and a manager got to step in at that point too because when, when you're on a location for a certain t- a long period of time like what is three days that the Giants had when you're on location for that long, you find something to do so you get back into your regular season mm-hmm. or postseason routine. I know That's right. with the uh, football, if we leave on a games on Sunday, if we leave on a Friday, we we do certain things where it's still the same pace that we're on. Right. We're just in another place. But over Saturday, everything stays the same. So it, yeah. it's just a matter of how you manage your time and these guys stay in the same routine mentally and physically getting ready get, coming up to a ball game it's just what the managers do mm-hmm. at, at that point absolutely mm-hmm. i mean one thing that's kind of not really been talked about that much is it goes back to the all-star game you know it, san francisco shouldn't have had home field advantage yeah they should have they had the better record they had a better record than detroit they had a better record than detroit okay either way i think that <laughs> i think that the, the the all-star game i was oh, aware oh, of that. i know what you're saying about i know what you mean when you say that because of the uh, all-star game the impl- implications of the all-star game now they're going to start taking it serious. I think they're going to, because Detroit, sh- San Fran had a better record, but Detroit, you look, they were supposed to be favored to win this uh, World right. Series, which goes back to what I said earlier. It doesn't matter. When you get in, you are there. Take advantage of the opportunity because for football, it's one game. You won and you're done. Baseball, they play a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean, I think in baseball is, is once in a year, correct. I do apologize about that. I can admit when I'm wrong. What was that? Well, once once a month I'll admit when I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing, I mean, note. baseball with baseball with home field advantage is kind of dumbed down as opposed to all the other sports because you play so much on the road and you play in so many different cities and you have, what, like nine days off a season. It, it, it gets dumbed down, but I believe it is magnified during the World Series because you know it's it's the hometown fans, and apparently San Diego, I mean, San Francisco didn't have much uh, much problem with it. But you know it was a great season. Uh, uh, you know the one game playoff. I believe that they're implementing next year that it's going to be the two two one format in the NLDS like it normally has been. Uh, besides this year when the home team got the last three games at home and went on the road for the first two. But it'll be interesting to see the the progression of maybe the other wild card will be a three-game series instead of a one-game playoff. You know, it'll be interesting to see what Major League Baseball is going to do with it. Well, they having that pre-game, that pre-playoff game, which they, I guess once they really get into it, they can make it a three-game series and be done with it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Woo! No more baseball talk. <laughs> Moving on to the NFL. Thank the Lord. Um, well, we kind of have to start with the Cardinals, unfortunately. Lose 24-3 to yesterday to the San Francisco 49ers at home on Monday Night Football. They are now 4-4, four and four, losing four in a row. They are the third team in NFL history to start 4-0 and lose the next four consecutive games. 
I believe that everything that Arizona didn't wasn't exposed from wasn't their team wasn't exposed in the first four games. Now everything's exposed. They've lost their two starting running backs. Their leading rusher is Ryan Williams with 160 yards through eight weeks, which is uh, it's it's unfathomable. It's it's uncanny. Uh, John Skelton threw threw the ball 52 times last last night against a defense that is you know probably the best in the NFL. What the hell are they going to do? They have Green Bay at Green Bay next week. Every expectation the Cardinals had for themselves in the first four games, now it's probably, I want to say, 75% different now than it is from these last four games. Uh, but when you look at this team, you don't see anything the defense is not doing. You look up, the most they've been scored on is 24 points or 24 yeah, points. points. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the, de- the defense. Nothing to do with the defense at all. You look at, okay, they got an end zone. But when you're playing on an arena football field most of the time, and that field is cut in half, they have no offense. What their offense is doing, Russ Graham, let me speak on him for one. This guy is supposed to be the guru of offensive linemen. He hasn't coached anyone since the Super Bowl. We've been talking about this offensive line since the Super Bowl. Fortunately, they had Kurt Warner, who's smarter than most quarterbacks, very intelligent guy. When he gets out the huddle, he knows where he's going. So he made up for a lot of the offense that they didn't have uh, with Anquan Bolden being there, uh, Steve Breston being there, Fitz still there. He had weapons, uh, still didn't have a running game. But Rush Grimm haven't coached anyone on that offensive line yet. Because he's Fitz uh, Wizen Hunt's guy, he's still up there on that, on that staff. You got to fix I don't care who you have up there. Then you get into a, a dispute or battle of egos with Deuce Latoy, who was probably one of their best. I think Lyle Cinderland, the center, is their best guy up there. But you can't play offense and have an offensive line with one guy. You watch that offensive line, they've always two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And defensively, you want to say, well, we play on the other side of the ball. And that's what they're doing. The defense that plays against the Arizona Cardinals offensive line, always playing on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And that does nothing for the quarterbacks. Def- offensively, all they're doing is running the same plays over and over. They might get in a different personnel. It's the same play. So they're trying to perfect one play instead of changing it up and playing according to what defense are giving you or what they're not giving you. So they have seven rushing yards last night, uh, the fewest in franchise history since October 1953 when they had negative one. So I can't <laughs> believe that they've, they've actually rushed for less than seven yards in a game, but I digress. That's crazy. What do they need to do to salvage this season, if anything? Because they have Detroit at home coming up towards the end of the season, Chicago. They go at San Francisco, at Atlanta. There are no bunny games. Well, there are no bunny games for, for a poor team anyways, but they play at the Jets, at Seattle. Can they win again? Maybe they can beat St. Louis at home. Are they going to end, you know, five and eleven? Well, they have eight games left. They better win five of those and back in. And it depends on who you win, who you uh, beat. They better win five of those and back into the, a wild card to get into the playoffs. But when you got San Francisco and Seattle doing what they're doing, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I don't. Because you got to play those games on the road now. I, I don't understand. I mean, Alex Smith, highest completion percentage in NFL history with a minimum of 15 attempts, 18 for 19. I mean, so, I mean, Patrick Peterson was exposed a couple times last night. Granted, he slipped on Michael Crabtree's second touchdown, mm-hmm. but the first one, those jump balls, he's just not. Is he regressing, or is this a sophomore slump for him, or was he just so good his first year that. Everybody in Arizona was spoiled by, you know, the punt returns and, and the and the electric defensive plays. He was good at punt returning. He was good at special teams. So that kind of overshadowed everything on, so, on yeah, the defensive end. From the out, yeah, exactly. From the outside looking in, we think, oh, this guy's going to be something special. Well, I've said from day one that 
he's when he learned how to play corner, he's going to be real good because he can match up to what he does on special teams. He's a punt returner or kick returner. Either one, when he gets the ball in his hand, he has great vision, enough speed to get away from guys. That's what I he did what he did last year. When you learn how to play defense, this is second year. You're not gonna just come into the league and be a lockdown right. corner. I don't right. I don't know a lot Deion Sanders. I don't know a lot of guys who can do that. Yeah, so so the learning curve is definitely I think longer fine, and, yeah. and more rounded. Because he's a he's you know, when you talk to these guys outside off the field, he's actually a good guy. And I wouldn't say that actually like he's supposed to be a bad guy, but he's a good guy. He has you know, he says all the right things, kinda like what we think about RG what I think about R G three. You know, he's a good guy. You meet him off the field and then you see what he does on the field, it holds true to who he is. Yeah, I mean, and I, across the NFL, all the, the the cream is starting to rise to the top. You know, the Giants are six and two. They're they're starting to put some more separation between the teams that have been that had hot starts. Like Minnesota started hot. They started four one. They're five and three now. So Chicago's two games up. Green Bay's won three games in a row. So they're starting to they're starting to get back into their groove. Atlanta. I don't know if anybody they people knew that they were going to be good. Their defense is what's surprising me the most. That that electric offense with Julio Jones coming in again, and uh, Roddy White is starting to supplant himself once again after having kind of an off year last year. They're gonna, they might be a force in the playoffs. Yet, let alone you know, well Matt Ryan hasn't won an important game in his entire life. So that's that's kind of a thing. That's kind of a, a downside for them. But they're the only undefeated team left in the NFL, and they pretty much already won their division because Tampa Bay at three and four is is the closest. Well, you, go ahead, Deborah. Oh, I was going to say, you start seeing what's happening with some of the teams that are faltering as well. When you've got the Panthers and Cam Newton, and you've got, you know, the uh, um, New Orleans, you know, you're, you start to see what the camaraderie is within the team and what their ability is to bounce back whenever they're having problems. And, you know, the questions out there, you know, what is, we always talk about, what about the coaches? You know, how important are the coaches? And we're starting to see that the coaches are really in a pretty important part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that Sean Payton especially is kind of like, he's kind of the face. I mean, Drew Brees is the face of New Orleans, but Sean Payton was, he was the anchor of that team. I mean, just him not being on the sidelines with that stupid visor that he always wears, I, I think that that is, is definitely, has definitely been hurting them this year. Well, I'm waiting to see what happened with Atlanta. Uh, they 7-0, undefeated team. You remember when Atlanta was 13-3, mm-hmm. and and they and the three games they did lose because they had already locked up the division. I'm waiting to see what they do, and then you look at what Green Bay did last year. We expect Green Bay to win the Super Bowl last year. I did, personally. With that team they had and the chemistry they was playing with, and then you sit the guys out. I want to know if Atlanta going to play these guys throughout the playoffs, keep them um, game ready instead of sitting, saying we already have it locked up, let's rest mm. our players. Only the players that really need rest. Don't rest the quarterback who don't mm. need rest. Right. Offense is all timing. Uh, defense is all reaction. So you can't mess up the timing of your pass routes. You can't mess up the timing of your blocking patterns and handing the ball off where the running back wants to go. When you do that, you put yourself two quarters behind. And it'll be tough to catch up against you if you're playing anybody that's in the playoff. Obviously, that team deserves to be there. So I want to know what happened with Atlanta as we go five more games down the road when they, they solidify home field throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and, and their play, their uh, schedule for the rest of the year isn't very difficult. Yeah, so. and it's, it'd be dangerous to start backing off. I agree right. with you. You start backing off, you start setting new and different habits, and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tougher to come back. Because your mentality changes. You don't Absolutely. have that. Yeah. Every week they, they're thinking they're going to be aggressive, but your mentality changes when you, okay, I'm not, I know I'm not playing. It's turned to a preseason mode. I know I'm not playing this week. We clinched home field, so we're going to rest. Ooh, it's tough to, football-wise, I think, to Tough get to, that hunger yeah, back, to yeah, get that dog back up in, again. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's move to Peyton Manning. Uh, people weren't really sure about what we what Peyton Manning we'd see, and it looks like he hasn't changed at all. I mean, he's been exactly what he was in Indianapolis. He tore apart New Orleans' horrible secondary. I understand that. He led he led them on a 98 yard drive in the first quarter, the third time in his career. He did he did that twice with Indy. He's going to make Demarius Thomas the new Marvin Harrison. He's going to make Eric Decker. The new Wes Welker, maybe. I don't know. Eric Decker's got a little bit more range than Wes Welker does, but he's making those B minus, quote unquote, C plus receivers look like Pro Bowlers. I think Norv Turner, Romeo Cromel, um, the young coach in Oakland, is helping Peyton Manning out. Peyton Manning yeah. is smarter than most of those coaches, mm-hmm. so he goes out there and do what he goes <laughs> out there point. and doing what he's doing. Uh, he went to the right div- uh, division. He went to the right conference, AFC West. It's kind of like what we, how we talked about the NFC West last year. That's the worst conference, in my opinion, in the league. But you still have to play the game every day, mm-hmm. every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys show up, and Peyton Manning just seemed like he's outsmarted them. I saw that from the first game when he played Pittsburgh. It looked like he just outsmarted the coaches, not the defense, the coaches who was calling those guys. And those coaches are supposed to be some of the best coaches in the NFL, but he went out there and just outsmarted them. And we and one of the things you did mention was we worried about was he going to come back the same guy? Was his neck injury? We watched him take hits and mm-hmm. he bounced back, get up and do what he do, do what he does best. Go out there and win football games. We I, the San Diego game was the most impressive one to me. Absolutely. When this guy yeah, was down 34 exactly. points, 31 points. Mm-hmm. You you can see most teams just crumble and fold apart, fold away. He keeps his team together. It almost looked like no, it looked exactly like his Indianapolis Colts football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and at that point, San Diego was started off the fastest out of any team in the NFL, and, and Denver came back, scored the most points in the at the end of the third and fourth quarter. North Turner needs to go. Yeah, well, I mean, and then not scoring a touchdown in Cleveland was ridiculous. Yeah. Granted, the oh man, it's not seventy-five and sunny, so we can't play. Well, that that mm-hmm. goes back to what I say with the, about the San Diego Chargers. Since Ladainian Thomas left, you know, people you get hired, you get fired. People come and go. You still have to have a running game out there. You can pass the ball you want to. You remember, I don't know if you remember, Alex, but the Houston Oilers <laughs> when Warren Moon, with, um, they all they had the running shoot. Yeah. The running shoot, they had um, Charles White. I think his name was Charles White, but his last name was White uh, from Michigan State. They had a running game because they passed the ball so much. San Diego Chargers passed the ball. They have no running game. I, I, he's, they made a, a, a violent effort to run last week because of weather condition. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. he was he had 95 yards rushing. 95 yards rushing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, one of his better games. That that opens up the play action. But if you don't have a running game, play action means nothing. If I feel a team can't beat me and they made themselves one dimensional, I'm not going to defend a run as, as much as I do the pass. Because you got the Floyd over there, you got Antonio Gates, you got the uh, quarterback over there, you got those guys that can beat you, and all you have to do is defend it. The fan is that. Yeah. Well, one of the things I like about um, Denver, too, is I've heard some of the offense and defensive players on interviews and that saying, you know, they're already working harder, and they're working harder because they know Peyton Manning didn't have to choose their team. He didn't have to come there. And because he did, they started stepping up their game in the beginning. And now whenever you watch the game and I see – you know, paint not only what he's doing on the field, but what he's doing on the sidelines. When you know, when you know they're not behind the ball, he's over there on the sidelines, got the whole group together, and like I say, he's coaching them on yeah. the sidelines, and you know they're responding to him big time. Because nobody on that team has been there before, right? And he has. So, uh, so Fox, you, well, yeah. I think Fox is. Then he take his Carolina team to the 
a Super Bowl? In like yeah. 1948. Yeah, yeah. 19... Well, with Terry Collins. <laughs> and I don't Collins. even remember that. Yeah, so. that was 1995 for your information, but look. <laughs> yeah, but he's he, he has he has been there. I mean, those guys, he got those guys playing like they... They can see a Super Bowl in their ranks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, time, and they have, they have yeah. a bunny schedule. They could easily finish 12-4. and four. Yeah. So you have Peyton Manning, and you're talking about the other coaches, how he's outsmarting them. In a sense, isn't Peyton Manning kind of like a rookie right now? He's got a totally new playbook. You, you can you can watch the tape on him at Indy, but it's completely different personnel. It's completely different playbook. Granted, he's calling plays at the line, but you don't know what plays are his favorite, what plays are his go-to for the new for the new playbook. The personnel, the the skill set is different. He didn't really have an Eric Decker for the better part of his career in Indianapolis. He had you know Reggie and Marvin Marvin Harrison, but this is a completely different scheme. And their defense, they have an offensive line. He has a run game which he's never had his entire career. So he's a completely different quarterback, and he's still Peyton Manning. So that's even better than the situation he was had in Indianapolis. Well, that's why he got guys like uh, Stokely and uh, Tammy. He got guys he was familiar with right. that can run some of his plays that he had in Indy. So he has he has about three or four of those players that you can go to, and coaches know that. So when you try to defend Peyton Manning, the Peyton Manning that was in Indianapolis, then you're making a mistake because in Indianapolis he didn't have a running game. He just had he I thought. Early in his career, he was one of the better fake quarterbacks in the league. The way he put that ball in the running back and take it out and make a pass has a quick release. But this this team right here has a running game. And last year we were talking about Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. what he was doing. It was the defense that was putting him in a position. Now it's Peyton Manning putting that defense in position because those guys has gotten a year older, but they still they still crafty enough to go out there and make those plays. But it's more Peyton Manning playing offense and defense now. Yeah, I mean, and you still have you still have Champ Bailey and Elvis Dumerville. I mean, you have you have guys that can rush the quarterback. You have one of the best cornerbacks of all time, and that makeup literally seems like they could make they can make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, well, with their schedule the way it is now, they they put themselves what is it two games ahead of everyone else in the AFC West? one one game. But yeah, they have a tiebreaker against San Diego. So I mean, it, it'll be really interesting to see what they what they do coming down the stretch. I mean, what teams will fall off in the NFC? I mean, I'm sure New England will end up winning 10 or 11 games. Baltimore probably. I mean, Baltimore with the way they're playing now, when they got shellacked last week, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, if they win 10 games, you might have to win 10 to get in. And if Denver can win 11 or 12 and get home field, who knows what's going to happen with Peyton in the playoffs? I, I don't. I just don't think Flacco is ready. I mean, we waiting. We waiting for him, guys. Same. Same. Way we're waiting for Ryan um, to do the same thing and in Atlanta. And he is right and now. now to, yeah, and this year he is. Well, he's done it before, but then he's fell off when a big game came right, upon right. him. So we're waiting for uh, Flacco to do the same thing. He just, with that team, and then you lose uh, Ray Lewis. You lose a, who's a Suggs is back. Suggs is back, and he played well the first game, which yeah. was impressive. But when you lose the emotional part of your team, somebody has to step up, and that guy should be the quarterback anyway. Yeah, and I was wrong last week. I said that Ray Lew- losing Ray Lewis would not only it would be more of an emotional thing as opposed because he's getting older. I mean, he's he can't obviously can't do what he used to be able to do. But having him in the huddle every play on the field, I over I over uh, I had over a problem that. when the Cardinals let go Larry Sinners. Larry Sinners wasn't old. He went out there and won a Super Bowl with the way with the Washington with the New England got a Super Bowl. When you got a guy that can go in your huddle, when he goes in your huddle and makes everybody else play and he never touches the ball, yep. you keep that guy on your team and the locker room's a lot better. That's true. Uh, we got to take a break. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in about 90 seconds.
Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. You can try and read my lyrics off Welcome back to Tommy Lasseter Sports Talk Radio. Alex Clancy, Tommy Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. We were talking NFL. We got to switch over to Arizona born boy. James Harden gets traded from Oklahoma City to Houston for Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, and future round draft future draft picks, one including next year first round via Toronto, which is top three protected, so it could be either 4 through 14, and Toronto's not going to be very good this year. So for Oklahoma City, that could be a really good draft pick as well. Everybody's seen that he's been traded. Fine. My question is, did James Harden's head get too big too fast? He's been in the league three years. He was a sixth man of the year last year. They almost made it to the, uh, they made it to the finals. What's wrong? Why do you give up now? The long-term extension he was going to sign with Houston is $5 million more than he would have gotten Oklahoma City. So I believe that there was some sort of internal struggle there that hasn't been brought out yet. In my opinion, it's Russell Westbrook because he's the cancer of the team. It will be shown in the next couple years that they do not win a championship. Do you think that's the reason why he left? Houston stinks. I, th- I think James Harden, in my opinion, was um, thought he was just as good as Westbrook coming off the bench, being a sixth man. He has, what is this, his third team? The his second, third, who? James Harden, his third team? No, second he, team. He got drafted by Oklahoma City. Didn't he play for the Did he play for the Suns one year? Mm-mm. Okay. Count the wishful Olympic, thinking. Count the yeah. Olympic team. That's yeah, wishful thinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think he felt like he just as good, just as talented, contributes just as much as those guys. And, and when you have superstars on the team, you, you just want to keep those guys the superstars. And when you can't, when you're looking down the road, management wise, or or maybe in the accounting department, you find you realize we're not going to be able to pay this guy as much as he wants. Uh, when it comes up to his contract, and we talked about this last year about how they're going to keep those three guys, and you would like to keep those three guys just because of the chemistry, just because you got a guy coming off the bench. He feels like, okay, enough of the coming off the bench. I was six man a year. If I'm six man, there's a team I can play for. Or uh, why I'm not playing more in this role? I thought he played a lot in um, in Oklahoma. Well, he now played he, 30 minutes a game. It's not like he was. A, that's, that's a lot of minutes a for a guy player. come off the bench. But yeah, you know, that's pretty much a starter. 
but he feels like, okay, I want to start the game now. Some guys' roles are just better coming off the bench, but I can't, I'm not the one to say, I want to put you on my team, I'm going to pay you starter money and just bring you off the bench. Their egos getting away like everyone else's. I have a curiosity, too. I had heard that he only had um, an hour to make a decision. I don't know if that's true or false, but I've heard it on a couple different radio shows. That sounds shows. like a take-it-or-leave-it type yeah. of and then when you, Yeah, and when you're put in that position, uh, again, personality-wise, it's going to be like, screw you, yeah. I am yeah. out of here. If that's the position you're going to put me in, you know, bye-bye. I think it's selfish. I think it's completely selfish of him to want to play as opposed to what he said last year. I don't care if I'm coming off the bench. Talk to, talk to Jason Terry about coming off the bench. He has a ring. He he led the league in fourth quarter scoring two years ago. James Harden was on the path to doing that. I don't understand why he made this move. But Let your contract run out this year. Play one more time. Make another run for the championship. If it doesn't happen, then go somewhere else. Go to somewhere if you're picking. Go to Boston. Go to San Antonio. Go to the Clippers, for Christ's sake. Go somewhere that's not Houston. See, I think that's good. and uh, I think that's good in baseball. You can play one more year. You're not, Especially if you're a pitcher. You're not. You're going to pitch 30%, 30% of the time of, the, of that season. You know, every four games, you call yourself a starting pitcher. I think that's good for baseball because you're not going to wear yourself down. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, you're going to play 82-plus games, especially if you're playing with Oklahoma City Thunder. You're going to play 82-plus games. And, and then the, the risk of getting an injury as opposed that's to right. getting paid uh, probably weigh on these guys' mind because we just had a lockout when they didn't want to play the players in baseball and basketball. I'm sorry. So he's thinking, if I can get to a, a formidable team, that may be able to compete, which I don't think Houston <laughs> is that team. Well, you don't know who else they're buying yet either. Right, right. Yeah. And the season, had, well, yeah. And then you got you got a trade deadline at some point during the season where, mm-hmm. you know, is this team the team to start the season and who can we get once the season get going? Yeah, and, and I think that... Because I would want a championship. If, I, if it was me, I, oh, it's, yep. that's tough because I would like to say, okay, I got a legitimate chance to win a championship. No 22 years t- old. No one can take that championship yeah. away He's from 20, me. 23. So even if he t- does tear his ACL, basketball is very forgiving when it comes to when it comes to injuries. He's 23 years old. He would still get a contract. Yeah. So. Well, most owners don't believe that the sport you play is a physical sport, and these injuries will happen. Let's say he ter- tears his ACL, and he comes back. He'll be back next year, ready to play at the same level. But we don't know what his conscience, his, his mental will be right. with that uh, injury and, and how you respond to that. Most of them do know, you You know, you, it's going to happen. Like in football, you tell your ACL, they think you're done. I watch uh, Garrison Hurst every year tear up three, two or three things. Two or three years later, he come back man of the year, two, two years in a row for the yeah, 49ers. Talk to AP about that. Right. Look at look what he's doing now with Minnesota. He's a I, He's different. He's a, he's part robot. I think he, he has to be part robot. Well, he runs <laughs> like no a robot. Other way. He runs like a robot. There's no other way. I, I think Westbrook ain't want to either get your money now or it's gonna be tough to get it later because you won't get you don't know who's coming out, whose free agency years are up the same time you are and what's needed for other teams. Yeah, mark my words. Russell Westbrook is the reason is one of the reasons why he left, and Russell Westbrook is the reason why they'll never win a championship. Put it down, down and dirty with Deborah. I'm excited for this one. Me too. You gotta give me a little heads up here, dude. All right. Told you it's third segment. Da 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 da. All right, down and dirty with Deborah. I want to 
interesting question here. Uh, with the storm going on, and I hope everybody is going to come out of this safe and sound and get rebuilt quickly. Um, but with the storm going on back east, David Letterman, Jimmy Fallon just did um, their shows last night with no audience. Now, you think about a guy standing up doing a monologue. I mean, I thought Jimmy Fallon was incredibly funny because he would tell a joke and that normal hesitation that was there waiting for the audience to, to laugh, there was nothing. So, I mean, even that was hilarious. Um, no applause, no cheers, no, you know, the guests coming out, they had to go through their normal routine. So my question is, what would it be like for players, for football players to go on the field and, you know, how would their level of play change, or would it? You know, do players still get nervous when there's nobody in the stands? Um, do coaches yell as loud? Do refs get as dramatic with their calls? What happens when a touchdown occurs? Do they still do their touchdown dance or, you know, jump up in the stands and there's nobody there to catch them? What are they going to do? Because the reality is, you know, we're humans, and because we're humans, we run off of our emotions. So we're always looking for feedback in some way. If we get negative feedback, depending on who we are, we're going to respond to that in a certain way. We get positive feedback, depending on who we are, we're going to respond to that in a certain way. The energy of the crowd <clears throat> can have a huge difference in how the game's played. You play an away game, you know, the offensive line is, um, you know, doing things a little bit differently because they know that the cheer of the crowd when you're at an away game is going to drown out the quarterback. So what do you do when there's no cheers? Is there a difference between a home game and an away game? Just some curiosities that, uh, you know, struck me a little bit. You know, I look at, you know, if somebody really trusts themselves, I look at somebody like a Jimmy Fallon coming out and doing the monologue. Um, uh, what you call it? David Letterman didn't. He forego the monologue and went right behind his desk and started talking. Jimmy Fallon, I look at, had the courage to do that. He trusted himself enough to go out there knowing that his jokes were funny and that the audience at home was laughing, even though there was nobody in the studio to do it. What happens with players? Do they trust themselves enough? Do they believe in their skills enough? Is their ego at a point that they can step out there and do what they would always do, you know, and depend on themselves and their teammates? You know, how much more would that camaraderie be with their teammates, knowing that that's who they're going to depend on to push them to that next level? Just a curiosity. Yeah, ask the Jacksonville Jaguars how it feels to not play in front of anybody. I'm sure they can tell you. <laughs> you can ask me that question, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vegas, gonna, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you that question. <laughs> there you go. It, you know what? When you go about your business, I wish there I wish there were a week of football where there was no crowd. Right. Where you see these guys showboating. Uh, mm -hmm. Football is a show. It's entertainment. It's a business. Uh, and these guys go out there and they put on a show. But what would they do? It would be tough to play in Green Bay if you score. And you can't jump into the stands. Yeah, that's you jump up there, nobody catches you. That's a, yeah, that's an instant yeah. concussion waiting to happen. So, <laughs> New rule in the NFL. But, yeah, you go out there and you play. But when you once the game starts, as I got older, once the game starts, I didn't even hear the crowd until after every play. So the crowd wasn't a factor. But you do want to put it on your show for, you know, whoever come to watch you play or whoever's there, like your family members. Uh, but if there's TV, I think it will be the same show. Once they know they're, they're on TV... They're going to do the same, have the same antics, the same show because somebody is watching. But when you just, uh, that's the same as my street, 22nd Street, Orchid Avenue, going around the corner to play 25th Street and playing those guys. It's that football game. Nobody's watching. Then we plan because we want the better street, which means we want the better team. That's the uh, concept I have with 
no crowd, no no audience, no fans out there playing unless it's just the TV. It becomes bragging right, and then at the end of the year, it still counts towards who's getting to the playoffs or who's going to the Super Bowl. I thought Jimmy Fallon did a good job, a great job showing up and doing a monologue. Absolutely. Because you can, that's a joke within itself. And he's Absolutely. A, and he's a funny guy. Yeah. You can say, well, normally at this point I will wait for the crowd to laugh, and then, well, I just keep going. Yeah. So it, it's, that's some it, creativeness there. It is. Yeah, I it's a genius. And I, and I like the uh, sarcasm that uh, David Letterman had. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> but I, I was, it was surprising to see that he didn't, he went right behind and right sat in his chair. Yeah. Yeah. Because he could have did a funny enough show. To, to even do the monologue, and but right. I guess he's saving those jokes hard to come by. So he say they got those writers. It's it's hard to come by. So he probably saving it for you know <laughs> something else, another show. But it, 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 playing in front of the crowd, if you go about your business, if you're about your business, you, you most times you don't hear the crowd till after the game. Well, I'd be curious too if the team would become closer, because now you're more dependent on the feedback from your team than you are the crowd. You got some guy. We had a guy on our Vegas team, uh, Jamel. This guy. We always put his hands up like he's a quarterback. He's a cornerback trying to get the crowd up. You shouldn't need the crowd to play when you've been working hard all week. You know your plan, and then you got a receiver who's trying to destroy you right in front of you. Right. Well, I don't need the crowd for that. Right. I need to concentrate on this guy in front of me who's about to possibly get me fired. Yeah, where's your mind at? <laughs> yeah. Do you think, think it would be easier for kickers also? I mean, granted, the, the sound, like, say you're at home kicking the ball. You have that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like your foundation. It's kind of like the warm feeling that you get from the, from the buzz of the crowd, I would assume. If it's mm-hmm. pitch silent, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It would be it'll be good for the quarterbacks, um, especially if you're the awake quarterback, I you guess. Can, you can hear you the calls. You can hear the yeah. calls. Yeah. There's no loud noise. Because some, some fans some fans know how to cheer and when to cheer. Mm-hmm. Then, but it's not. And you go to the you go to a stadium packed full of fans, and you just think, why are they cheering right now? Yeah, depending on blood alcohol content. When oh, Manning's just, trying you know? to audible, he could... If somebody's trying to audible, at least, and everybody's screaming, it makes it really difficult for... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would make hard counts to, to get the defense offside a little bit more difficult. Uh, we got to take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to do our best and worst of the week previously, previous week. Uh, we'll be back. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports sports and medicine go hand in hand quite simply if you aren't up to your game health wise you won't be up to your game on the field that's where bruce the sports doc comes in dr bruce grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. Down and dirty with Deborah. That was good. Thank well, you. Well done. Very Outside good. the box. Outside the bun. That was good. Uh, I did want to mention one thing that I forgot. Justin Verlander, I did not know this, is the only pitcher in Major League history to win Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, and start an All-Star game. Just pretty Ooh. interesting. And he got shellacked by by Kung Fu Panda at all, uh, game one in San Francisco. Uh, Cindy, she got, she's, she's going to be our social media lady for this segment. Go ahead. Awesome tweet I saw on Sunday night. Uh, it said, Romo, one throws for the Giants, the other throws to the Giants. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Tony, th- th- he was really polarizing that game because he had a phenomenal second half. He threw uh, the, the Cowboys receivers. There were three receivers over 100 yards. Uh, first time since 1963. Jason Witten had 18 receptions. Miles Austin, 133 yards receiving. Des Bryant had a good game, even though he was about one and a half inches away. I agree. One and, one and a half inches away from uh, the game-winning catch uh, with less than a minute to play, which is it was a great catch to begin with, but uh, it begs the question, do you think if that was Calvin Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald or the upper echelon of receivers, do you think that they would have the body control to stay in bounds? Granted, he jumped awkwardly. He It was an amazing feat to get as close as he did to, get it, to stay in bounds. Do you think that... They, Larry Fitzgerald would have just stuck one paw out and sna- snagged it and, and fallen in bounds. I don't. I don't think uh, Larry or Johnson could have controlled that. The way he was going across the middle, across the back of the end zone and momentum just took him out there because he put his hand down to brace himself. Mm-hmm. His hand wasn't most receiver right. thing. Get my get your feet in. Get your feet in. Tap the feet. Uh, but he put his hand down to brace himself. And I think as he was coming down. It almost looked like he was thinking, keep everything in bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was just impossible. It was a great catch. Yeah. Great catch, but it was He was, was two fingertips away from I, one of the best catches of the year. And isn't he notorious yeah. for having like the biggest hands in mm-hmm. the NFL? So yeah. see, it's, He's it's dropped a lot of balls thing. this year. Yeah. He's dropped a lot of balls well, he this does year. A lot yeah, of, he does a lot of things that, you know, I, when he came out of Oklahoma State, I thought he was going to be, and he still will, can be. But he does a lot of things antique-wise that I just don't agree with, and I'm not on his team. As long as Tony Romo, I used to think as long as Tony Romo was a Dallas Cowboys quarterback, they would not win. Uh, but I think it's more so as long as Jerry Jones yeah. is the manager. As long as Jason Garrett is with the team to no, I think call more, and play. Well, Jason Garrett's a puppet. I think mm-hmm. Jerry Jones is the, he got to remove himself from being general manager. Yeah. It's your team. Okay, we already know that. What do you know about football? You're a businessman. General manager, get somebody who's been experienced with that, and you get a lot of, you get a lot of the coaches who brought to get fired this year that are pretty good coaches and their team just not doing well. Andy Reid would be a good guy, but he and Andy Reid would clash. Andy right. Reid time is up probably in uh, Philadelphia, and I think he is a pretty good coach. He can coach as long as he wants to, whenever he wants to, for whomever he wants to, as long as that position is open. Yeah, I mean, I'd be licking my chops if I were Bill Cowher looking at Dallas and San Diego to come back and come back. You Diego, think that not Dallas. But you think they both both those teams need some huevos. You know, because they're 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 pansy teams, yeah. and Bill Cowher will whip them into shape. Bill Polian just got fired. I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, you go back to the owner. The owner is a, is a Neanderthal. He he's not going. Bill Cowher and Jerry Jones. That was that's why. Uh, what's the Jimmy guy? Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, that's why. And Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, that's why the situation is uh, the tuna. Big tuna is, is oh, not yeah. in it. It's yeah. not in Dallas. Tell me, he's not a good coach. He had those guys ready to play, had them playing, but then the, the contrast between he and the owner. I mean, he feel like I've played this game. I've been doing this game, 
you just you're an owner. You pay money to get these guys on. Let me get give me the credit card. Let me get the players I want so we can win. So when we do lose, it don't it doesn't come all the way back on me. Yeah, I mean it. it as I've been saying for the past few weeks, it's just a circus. I mean, he's gonna make so much money when he sells that franchise mm-hmm. or when he croaks or whatever. Uh, he's gonna make so much money, and that's all he can. Oh, the Spanos or. or Huh? The Spanos? No, Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's going to be, it'll be interesting how gaudy it's going to become. He has a good, it, it, losing Sean Lee for the year, their their middle linebacker was really rough. He was, he led the league in, ta- led the team in tackles. He was, the, he was the heartbeat of the defense. They've lost him. DeMarcus Ware is not getting any younger. So that team, I don't think it's all Tony Romo's fault. I think that he is definitely two-faced. Uh, he threw that pick six to JPP early. He, he threw three interceptions in the first half. Uh, good for me. I had uh, New York Giants defense on my fantasy team, but I digress. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years there because you can't get rid of Tony Romo. Who's better than him that can come in? Somebody might just somebody that might win down the road. Tony Romo's had that position long enough where he should be. Win- we should be thinking about him as a winner. Right. I don't think about Tony Romo as a winner. I no. think about I'm waiting for him to blow it up. Like he has everything in place. Has a, look at that offense. You tell me that's not a good offense. <laughs> it used to be a problem because their defense will always hold them up. But now I think all Dallas' strength is probably their offense and that defensive line. Yeah, yeah. they so, bought they bought guys in to play corner. They let guys go. They they drafted a first round guy to play corner. Who's going to be better? But Tony Romo, kind of like when we look at Michael Vick, he's like, are you going to ever be good? Are yeah. you going to ever be that guy? But Tony Romo's an actual quarterback. Michael Vick's not a quarterback. Michael I mean, he's, he's a quarterback. He's, What's the difference between those two guys? Uh, Tony what? Romo is the more traditional quarterback. I got my answer when you said, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's no traditional. What was traditional about Tony well, Romo? Traditional now and traditional back then is different. You talking about Tony, I'm talking about Tony Romo and Michael Vick. I'm trying to find the difference between those two. Both of them has lost games, and we're waiting for them to be that guy. For their organization, Tony Romo's run just as much as Michael Vick. Michael Vick trying to conform himself to that traditional quarterback you're talking about, sitting in the pocket. Run! You, nobody, nobody can stop you. Run. This is why they drafted you in the first round, the first round, first pick mm-hmm. out of Virginia Tech. Run! Put stress on the linebackers, and now you can you can probably with that offense, Deshaun McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin. Macklin. Yeah, That's but the best. That could be the best offense. In yeah, the but he's he's a he's a glass figurine. If he runs the ball, he's going to get hurt, and then they're going to go to the uh, the backup quarterback anyways. So it doesn't matter. I mean, when Randall Cunningham went thirteen and three with Minnesota, I think it was either Minnesota or Philadelphia. I can't remember. I think it was Minnesota. Minnesota. He learned how to be a pocket passer. I, I he learned know, how I, to be a pocket passer. Michael Vick I, I is he too small. He's too thin. He's he's he fumbles the ball too much. I mean, he's trying it, to do too much. I think I think Michael Vick is trying to do too much, like Tony Romo does too much for Dallas. Michael Vick's trying to do too much, so he's always trying to make a play happen. I think he used to trust those guys. I don't know how well he trusts those guys because those guys around him are just as good, if not better, than he is. And Deshaun Jackson and uh, Deshaun McCoy. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, you mentioned they are just as good as he, he yeah. is. Oh, we, we got to go. Uh, best and worst, Cindy, go ahead. Um, well, my best was Sergio Romo and just his attitude, and I think he's he's a gamer. He should be on everyone's team, and if everyone played like him, with that attitude, um, he's just blessed. He said he's blessed to be there. Yeah, and, and, and I, that slider doesn't grateful. that slider doesn't hurt. Um, my worst was uh, the Marcus Lattimore. Yeah, injury. That's tough. Injury. Mm. That's tough. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm, he was just get. He just came off injury. He just came yeah. off an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he said he'll be back. Spurrier said if he I'll says be, he'll be I back, he's he'll coming be back. back. So, um, mm. I thoughts and prayers. That's to a him. dislocated and knee. He said yeah. celebrated his twenty first birthday in the hospital yeah. on Monday. That's just that's Deborah, good. Free, that sucks. free food. 
uh, best is Gronk's dance, his little nutcracker dance in the end so zone. Bad. I thought it was hilarious. It's like a fast-forward version. Yeah, and the worst was, uh, I go back to Jerry Jones, what an embarrassment. You know, you get Victoria's Secrets in instead of taking care of your uh, your football team. Yeah. Call my me. best, yeah. Arizona Carl is playing on Monday Night Football. My worst is Arizona Carl losing at home on mm. Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, mine best is Lakers playing tonight. Uh, did you know that they got Dwight Howard and Steve Nash? I can't. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know. And is your worst going to be the Lakers losing tonight? Uh, okay. And, and Nash cleaned up for the LA market. <laughs> and the worst, in my opinion, is James Harden going to going to Houston. I I really mm. think that even if he scores twenty eight points this year a game and he and he becomes an All Star, I don't care if he wins MVP. He's never going to win in Houston. And I think he will regret this for the rest of his life. I really think not many things happen where you draft three lottery guys in, I think, in four years, Westbrook, Durant, and him. You add Serge Ibaka. You have the youngest, most talented, uh, exciting core of basketball players on the planet. It must be and you walk deeper. right away from it. I th- and I really think it's Russell Westbrook. It must be something deeper. Uh, well, it could be Westbrook. There's things we don't know. Because yeah. he's selfish. Yeah. That's a so, you look at, so you look at Kevin Durant has a demeanor of a, mo- of, of a mouse. You know, he just plays basketball. He's exemplary. James I wish he Harden, would say more. Well, he might soon. James Harden, same way. Russell Westbrook is is a clown. I mean, he's 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 pumping up the crowd. He's doing all like, this crap. I don't like the way he looks. I don't know. <laughs> do, do you remember? Do you remember when? Do you remember Samaj called it called him a, called him oh, a yeah. duck tail a year ago? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, and Serge Ibaka is quiet. The coach is quiet. He Russell Westbrook just doesn't fit there. It right. just doesn't fit there. Can so, I change my best? No, you can't. Alex Clancy, uh, Tommy, Alex Clancy was wrong twice in one day. Mm, That's my best. best. Uh, <laughs> Halloween's well, coming up. Keep the kids safe out there tomorrow night. Absolutely. Word. Yeah. Word uh, <laughs> Kwame, thank you. I'm glad you're back. Yeah. yeah I think he'll be taking Yay. over the throne again next week, even though... Uh, the throne? Sexy yeah. voice and all. No, I know. See, we're going to take that away. <laughs> yeah, uh, Deborah, Cindy... Well done, it's Alex Clancy. Hey, you guys been doing a good job. Oh, I appreciate yeah. you uh, while I was out doing. I mean, I listened. I showed up a couple of times, but you guys been doing a great job, in my opinion. I don't know what everybody else thinks. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, remember, yes. ten o'clock a.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time next week. Still nine a.m. Pacific, but we don't move clocks here in Arizona because it's the Wild West. So we don't follow any rules because they're behind the time. Cornelius uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sports Talk. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.